All right, Shabbos, say good morning. Let's begin. So a lot to do today. Another beautiful daf of Gemara. So we are picking up daf Beis Amud Beis. Uh, we are picking up two, four, six, eight lines up from the bottom. So our Rav Chanina Misura. Rav Chanina of Sura said the following: Lo leima inish lo tistri ploni. A man should not say to his wife today, in these days, that she should not be alone with a particular man. Why? Because remember, yesterday we quoted three different shitos, two shitos in the, in the Mishnah of Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua, and a third Mishnah of Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Yehuda. And Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Yehuda was novel in that he said, we could affect stira, excuse me, that kinui could be affected, the warning could be affected even through an aid echad. So Rabbi Hanina makes a very interesting statement. Rabbi Hanina says that today a man should not go ahead and warn his wife, should not go ahead and issue a kinui in front of an aid echad. Why? Lest we paskin like Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Huda, and it turns out that if he warns her in front of an aid echad and she violates the warning and is alone with the man, it turns out that what? She becomes a surah. She becomes prohibited. And what's the problem? And therefore today there is no sota process. There are no waters of sota to be able to check her. And he will prohibit, he will accidentally prohibit his wife to himself forever. Because the idea is that if a woman goes ahead and has a warning, violates the warning, technically speaking, she is asura to her husband until she goes through the process of the mesota. So again, Rabbi Hanina is going ahead and, and raising this issue that in the event that Halacha falls, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, a man should not warn his wife contemporarily, lest he go ahead, lest she violate the warning, and it turns out that she's asura to him forever. Amrei Shlakish, Malashon Kinui. So we'll say now a little bit of an etymological discussion. So Shlakish says, what does Kinui mean? What does that word actually mean? To which the Gemara answers. To which Shlakish answers, Davra Hamatul Kina Beinol Beinol. It refers to something that creates animosity. Excuse me. Something that creates animosity between the woman and others. Now, what does that mean? Rather, it must be that what he holds is that kinui, a warning, could take place, again, just between the woman and her husband. Therefore, And therefore, other people, other people will, not know, will not know that the husband is warning the wife. So I'll say, so remember, according to this opinion, you could say that a husband has the ability to go ahead and issue a kinoi and issue a warning, so no one else knows about it. So suddenly what happens? Well, we would assume that after a woman has received this kinoi, this warning from her husband, she probably generally recedes back, she pulls back from social interactions. So people see this and they say, what's going on over here? She's suddenly become antisocial, not understanding the reason for a social withdrawal, and it causes, again, some level of animosity between between her and the people around her. So no, others say that that kinui means something that causes animosity, not between the wife and others, but rather between husband and wife. According to this opinion, he must hold kinui apishnaim. That kinui must take place in front of two witnesses. 
everyone knows that Lamaisa, the husband, warned her. Because remember, once something is happening in the presence of two witnesses, then it becomes a matter of public record. Therefore, again, no one is going to be upset or break with her when she socially withdraws because they'll understand that she's trying not to violate the warning. The animosity will come about how? The animosity will come about as a result of the friction between her and her husband. So the Gemara says, Alma, top of Gimel, top of Gimel, Alma, Kasavri, Asra, the Kanos. Therefore, again, we see from here that what? That Lamaisa, one should not warn his wife. Let's say, take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Kevan da Amri, Lashon, Hatalas, Kinohu, Alma, Asr. And here's what's interesting. The Kamdenamnitter between both of these Shitos is that the word Kinui, which we've been translating as warning this entire time, these opinions hold really mean, really mean Lashon of Kino, of animosity. And therefore, again, the Torah itself and the Mishnah itself is trying to teach us that this is not really the right way to deal with this situation. Because as we mentioned already yesterday, one way or another, this is not going to end well. Because the friction that this creates within the marriage probably creates a certain level of irreversible damage for the couple. Therefore, again, according to this approach, that kinu is from notion of kina, notion of animosity, it is better for a husband not to warn his wife. Again, if there are such marital issues, either try to work them out, and if they're not workable, then unfortunately, sometimes the marriage has to, has to end in dissolution. Who says that it is permitted for a husband to warn his wife in a, about being alone with a particular man in a situation where he suspects adultery? So, what's the lashon of kinui? Amrav Nachem by Yitzchak, Ein Kinoi El Alashon Hasra. Kinoi is a Lashon of Hasra, a Lashon of warning. Yechenu Omer, so to the Pasik says, Vaikane Hashem Laartso. The Pasik in Yoah says, the Ribono Shal Olam warned his land. And therefore, again, Kinoi doesn't have to mean Lashon Kina, but rather Kinoi just simply means a warning. Tanya, Hayer Bimeir Omer, both says an amazing Gemara. But I have to tell you, some, we're going to see some beautiful, beautiful Agarita today. I have to just give you the disclaimer. I, throughout this Masechta, I will not have the opportunity, uh, maybe I have some opportunities, but at least on a day-to-day t- to really expound on the Agarita the way it deserves to be expounded on. I would urge you to do homework on this. There's a beautiful Sefer I'll recommend for Masechta Sota called Alev Radim. Alev Radim, I forgot the name of the author, but incredible Sefer on, on Masechta Sota, which really goes into specifically explaining the Agarita. Alev I'll email it out to the shir. So Tanya, for just $25.99. So the Gemara says, Tanya, Hi, Rabbi Meir Omer. Adam over Avera Beseser. I'm also listen to this. A person violates an Avera in private. That Kodesh Baruch Hu Machrez Alav Begaloi. And the Ribbono Shel Olam will announce it in public. Shene Amar, where do we see this from? The Avar Alav Ruach Kino. That the Ribbono Shel will cause to pass over the husband the spirit of jealousy. Ve'in Avera Elalashon Hachraza. And the Lashon of Avera is a Lashon of announcing. Shnei Amar, Vayitzav Moshe, Vayaviru Kol B'machana. Moshe, take a look. Take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Adam over Avera, Kigon Isha Prutza Overes Beseser. Like a woman who has committed adultery, again, quietly. Vakadosh Baruch Hu Machriz Begalui. Shenosin Belev Baila Lekanosla, Vadavar Misparsin Begalui. The Gemara is saying over here that the Lashon of the Pasuk is Vaavar Alav Ruach Kina. So the Gemara is understanding that to mean that for some reason the husband has this suspicion. Now again, Pasha Pshat is, he sees things that are just strange. He sees things that are just strange. The way the Gemara is understanding it over here is, it's almost like a Kaddish Baruch who intervenes and a Kaddish Baruch who makes sure that the sin itself comes to the surface. Which most says is an incredible Yisod, because what the Gemara is saying is, at the end of the day, everything comes out. 
At the end of the day, everything comes out. So sometimes we do things in life because we think ultimately that they could be kept quiet, or they could be kept under wraps. And sometimes they do, but more often than not, even the things we do besaser ultimately come out in public. And therefore, a person, we should always, always be very meticulous with what we do. Never, uh, the cloud goggle is, never do something in your private life that you wouldn't want to become part of public record. Incredibly, a very difficult, a very difficult way to live, but lemaisa, again, a very important way. Reish lo in adam ovra avera, ele im ki nichnas bo ruach shtos. Plus, it's an incredible gemara. So, Reish Lakish, I also urge you, if you're using your own gemara, to underline some of these gemaras, fold over your page, because these are beautiful gemaras to come back and reference. So, Reish Lakish says, a person doesn't commit a sin unless, of course, a ruach shtos, a spirit of foolishness enters into him. Shana'emar, ish ish. The Pasuk says, when a man will go ahead and, uh, ish, I'm sorry, where am I over here? Shana'emar, I'm sorry. Ish ish, ki tiste ishto. The, the Gemara says, tishte ksiv. So the Lashon is tiste, but again, it can be vocalized as tishte from Lashon shtos. Well, it's an incredible yisod as well, which is that, you know, I often say, we, the mushal the Maral gives and others give is if a person takes out a piece of paper and puts the, I want to commit a particular Avera and makes a pros, con and a, a pros list and a cons list. So which side, which side will always win, always win? Okay, all right, good answer. Hey, right, so, so again, let me explain this, all right? So the cons con always, the cons side always wins. All, always wins, right? Meaning, because again, I will say, no matter what you're going to get from an Avera, and sometimes you can get a lot of wonderful pleasures from an Avera, it's always fleeting, it's always temporal, and it's always finite. That's, there's no such thing as infinite pleasure from sin. The repercussions and ramifications of hate are, could be eternal, literally, and that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not hyperbole. Could be, thank you. Could, I, could go ahead and could, 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 be, could be eternal. And I will say, it's an incredible use. So, so if that's the case, so why do we sin? So here the Gemara is saying, the Shlakish is saying, there's a Ruach Shtos, it's silliness. It, it literally is spiritual temporary insanity. A person just loses their bearings just for those moments and is not thinking clearly. So the Gemara says, Ksiv, I'm sorry, the Gemara is also going to go back and forth between Agarita and between Halacha. So watch this. So Tarnadim Yishmael says, why is it that the Torah believed in Eid Echad by Sota? I'm sorry, that's the microphone here. So why is it that the Torah believed... So why is it that the Torah believed in Eid Echad by Sota? Shiraglai Mudover. Because we remember, because remember, this Torah of the Eid Echad by Tumah. Remember, so why is an Eid Echad believed by Tumah? Because there's Raglai Mudover. There's circumstantial evidence. There was a Kinui. There was a warning. I mean, beforehand, to, to, to reach the level of warning means that the husband must suspect something. Then there was warning. Then there was violation of the warning. And therefore, if there's an Eid Echad that sees that she literally engages in adultery, ultimately the Eid Echad is, be is believed. So the Gemara says, He warned her. Vinistra, she was alone with the man. And the eight Echa testifies that ultimately, again, she has become Tmea. So the Gemara says, Therefore, again, eight Echa is believed by Tumah. 
Here's the problem. Well, so we already picked up on this yesterday, which is in the order of the Psukim. So, Kinui, the warning, is written after Stira and Tuma, right? After seclusion and after potential defilement. So, Amalei, Va'avar, Ukivar Avar. No, because the Lushan of Va'avar Alav Ruach Kina is a Lushan of and it had already passed over him, or a spirit of jealousy, or a spirit of anger had already passed over him, passed over him previously. That even though, again, the Kinoi itself is written after the Torah discusses Tuma and Stira, but the Lashon of Va'ava refers to a process that occurred earlier on. But if that's the case, when the Pasuk says, well, so this is talking about B'nai Gadam B'nai Ruvain, when they want to go ahead and settle in the Transjordanian lands, and Moshe Rabbeinu says, fine, but you have to go and fight the war for Kibush, for the conquering of Eretz Yisrael. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, Va'avar lachem kol and all of your soldiers, all of your armed men will go before the people. So does Va'avar mean already here also, that they already went to war? That's impossible. It didn't happen yet. Ha'chanami, ha'samidichsev Hashem, no, so the Gemara essentially answers, is there from context we understand that since Moshe Rabbeinu says, the land will be conquered from before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then you will go ahead and return to your homes. We understand that Va'avar in that context means something that will occur later on. But over here, if you think that it's as it's written, namely that Kinui is coming after these other processes, the Avar Basar Tuma Ustira Kinui Lamali. And we'll say if there's already been if there's already been Stira, if there's already been seclusion, and there's already been Tuma, there's Eitacha testifying that she literally committed adultery. So what would be the purpose of the warning? Therefore, again, it must be that the Avar in this context refers to what a process that had already occurred before. So even though. Kinui is written in the Torah after Stira in Tumah. The Lashon of Va'avar means this Kinui is something that took place at the beginning of this process. So says, a man only warns his wife if a spirit entered into him. Now if you look at Rashi, so Rashi says over here, a spirit from above. So now the Shaila is going to be, what's the nature of the spirit? To which the Pasuk says, So what Tamdir Yishmael is picking up on is this Lashon of Va'avar Alav Ruach. What does that mean? What a strange statement. So the so Tamdir Yishmael is saying it must be that there's a spirit from above that rests upon a person that causes him to suspect his wife of his behavior. So what's the nature of my Ruach? What's the nature of this Ruach? Rabbanan Amri Ruach Tumah. So the rabbis say, ultimately, again, that this refers to a spirit of impurity. In other words, we'll say that this is something negative in, his, in the husband that he suspects this kind of, that he suspects this kind of behavior in his wife. Ravashi, I'm a ruach tara. So this is very interesting. So Ravashi says, no, it's ruach tara. That what happens? That there's a spirit of purity that rests upon the husband that causes him to despise the perceived immorality that he sees within his wife and within his home. And it's that almost like that righteous indignation that causes him to trigger this process. It must be that ruach in this context means a ruach tara. Why? Because the Pasuk says, the kine is ishto rishos. 
So what's it? So the pasuk says that if a man suspects, so what's it? So interestingly enough, Rabbi Yishmael says Rishos. Rishos means that it's the husband's right to begin this process of sota. But what? But what? It's not an obligation. Right? It's his right, but it's not an obligation. Rabbi Kiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva says Chova. Rabbi Akiva says, no, it's actually an obligation. Rabbi Akiva says that if a husband suspects something, it is the husband's obligation, it is a chov for him to begin this process of sota. So the Gemara says, So if you want to say that ruach in this context means a spirit of righteousness and purity, then the machlokis makes sense. Because, okay, once saying the spirit of impurity passed over you, so again, Rabbi Shmuel will say, excuse me, Ravashi will um, um, no, Rabbi Shmuel will say, you can if you want to, Rabbi Kiva will say, you must. But if you say that it's a spirit of impurity, does it make sense that we would tell a person to act on a spirit of impurity. Therefore, the Maisik and the Gemara suggest that Ruach, in this case, must mean over here what? Must mean over here, must mean over here that, um, that there's a spirit of purity that rests upon the person that's causing him to trigger this process. But say, just so you see, by the way, it's interesting that you see the tension already in Soto, right? You see this tension. Is the husband's suspicion based on the fact that what? That he's so righteous that he can't tolerate any level of impurity within his household? Or is it based on the fact that he himself is morally corrupt? And therefore, again, you know, when you're immoral, you see immorality all around you. It's interesting how in the two last Masechus we're learning, we see the same thing by Nazir. Is Nazir the actualization of a pure desire ultimately to become holy? Or is it good intentions, but absolutely wrong direction? See, you see how sometimes when it comes to matters of acute holiness, the path is not necessarily clear. And that's the tension you even see in the Pesukim. So Gufa, the Gemara is the Kasha. So also remember, the Gemara just quoted Machlokas between Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shema. So now the Gemara is going to say Gufa, so Sinatic Mar is going to quote a number of machloksin, a number of cases where you have this ongoing machlokus between Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Ishmael. So number one case is Sota. Rabbi Ishmael says Rishos, which means if he wants to, he can, but it's not an obligation. Rabbi Kiva Rabbi says obligation. And Rosa, this is incredible, because what Rabbi Kiva is saying is, if a man suspects his wife of being unfaithful, he has an obligation to begin the Sota process, to try to be mevara these circumstances. Next, la yitama, Rosa by the kahuna. So happens by the kahuna, the Pasuk says, that if the coin has an, un, if the coin has an unmarried sister, that Lamai say he is lo yitama, he should become tummy for her. Supposed to listen to this. Rishos to Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel says he has the license to become tummy for her, but he does not have the obligation. Rabbi Kiva Omer Chova. Rabbi Akiva says, no, it's an obligation. He must become tummy for her. He must go to her levaya. The Olam Bahem Tavo, do similarly, the Pasuk says, you shall literally keep them in your service forever. This is referring to an Eved Kenani, a non-Jewish servant that I have. So the Pasuk says, the Olam I should keep them in my servitude forever. Rishus to Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel says, this is an option. It's optional. Rabbi Kiva Omer Chova. 
Rabbi Akiva says, no, it's an obligation. So we'll say, sounds like what? <coughs> sounds like Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva have this machlokas in Kol HaTorah Kula, meaning throughout the Torah, whenever there is a stated obligation, it would appear that Rabbi Shmuel holds Rishos, Rabbi Akiva holds Chova, to which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, Demar Amar Rishos, Mar Chova, Amarle, no. Hacha bikrai pligi. No, they're not arguing kolatorakula. It happens to me in these cases of Sota, Kohuna, and Evet Kanani, they're arguing about the interpretations of the Psukim. So the Gemara says like this. So now the Gemara is going to go through each of these. It's actually really interesting. So the Kine is Ishto, Divei Rabbi Shusti, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Kiwa, Merchova. So my time to Rabbi Shmuel. So, well, so let's analyze these cases. So case number one is Sota. So in the case of Sota, man suspects his wife of adultery. Does he have to go ahead and warn her? Does he have to begin the process? Rabbi Shmuel says, no, he doesn't have an obligation. He has the right. Rabbi Akiva says, obligation. Says the Gemara, my time is Rabbi Shmuel. What's Rabbi Shmuel's logic? Savarla ki haitana. So Rabbi Shmuel holds like the following opinion. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer. Listen to this, we'll say, this is amazing. Klape sha'amra Torah. So we'll say, watch this. So I might have thought, Torah says, I'm not allowed to hate my brother in my heart. I might have thought that that applies to this case as well. What does that mean that that applies to this case as well? Look at Rashi. Rashi is a little bit of a different gearsa. So we'll say, I might have thought like this. Maybe, again, a man sees his wife engaging in what appears to be objectively inappropriate behavior. I might have thought to say like this. The Torah says, I may not despise my fellow in my heart, and therefore what? I have to let it go. I have to let it go. Therefore, again, Therefore, the Pasuk says, says Rabbi Shmuel, that's what? The Pasuk says, that no, the spirit of jealousy passes over him, and he can go ahead and warn his wife. Take a look at Rashi. Listen to this. So Bishmal says, what is the Torah telling me? I might have thought, had the Torah been silent, I might have thought that if a man sees his husband engaging in inappropriate behavior, he has a choice. What's the choice? What's the choice? Divorce her. That, that's, that's the husband's choice. Divorce her. Or... Let it go. Let it go. Don't harbor any animosity. Therefore, the positive that Bishwal gives me the right to say to what? To begin the Sota process. I have the right. Is it an obligation to Bishwal? Not an obligation, but I have the right. Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says, one second. So that's she, that's Rabbi, that's she, that's Rabbi Shmuel, that it's a Rishos. Rabbi Akiva, Kinoi Achrin Rabbi Akiva will say, but one second. The Pasuk says, It says, Kina twice. Therefore, again, Rabbi Akiva says, the first Kina, the first warning, right, means what? Is a reference to, takes care of, That gives me the right to engage in the Sota process. The second time the Torah says, Kina, teaches me that what? That it's an obligation. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Shmuel, I did the boy lemichtav he nitma vehilo nitma ksev nami vekinei esishto. We'll say on the other hand, Rabbi Shmuel will say like this: that once the Torah went ahead 
and told me that this process can go forward, that the wife becomes the wife becomes a surah. Whether or not she actually committed adultery, I will say, remember, the novelty of the sota process is that once the woman is in violation of the warning, she becomes a surah to her husband. Now we can see there is a way for him to ruin this entire process, and technically she becomes permitted to him again, but we'll get to that later. But technically speaking, once she violates the warning, lemaisa again, lemaisa again, she becomes a surah. That's a chiddush. So Rabbi Ishmael wants to say, since the Torah has to say that we don't know if she did become defiled or didn't become defiled, but yes, she's still Asr. The Pasuk has to once again restate that idea of Because we'll say this is in line with the statement of Tanah who says that what? that whenever you see something repeated in the Torah, the Torah never repeats something for the sake of repetition. Rather, the Torah does what? The Torah repeats something in order to go ahead and bless you, in order to go ahead and be mechadish, introduce something new. Therefore, according to Rabbi Shmuel, he's going to say like this. The Torah is introducing to us the new concept that she becomes asura to her husband out of suffolk. Therefore the, Torah re- re- therefore, the Torah chooses to repeat the same phraseology at the end of the Pasuk that it repeated at the beginning of the Pasuk in order to make the Pasuk textually symmetrical. But because the Torah at the end of the Pasuk introduces something new, therefore the Torah introduces the same text as well. But you can't dash in the second Dikino, because we also understand what's happening over here. The fundamental machlokas between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel really comes from the fact that there is two kinos. It says, Vekina Allah twice. He warns her twice. So Rabbi Akiva says, the first kinos to teach me that sota is permissible. Why do I have to learn that sota is permissible? Because the Havamina is that I would have thought there's no process of sota. Why? Why? Because again, I'm not allowed to eat my fellow. So the process of sota engenders animosity. I might have thought it's usr. Therefore, again, the first kinos teaches me that the process is permissible. Second, the kinos according to Rabbi Akiva teaches me that what? That it's obligatory. Ooh. According to Rabbi Shmuel, no. The second part of the that second kina is just there to preserve textual symmetry. Since the pasuk is coming to introduce a new concept, namely that she becomes asura to her husband even out of suffolk, that second vikina law is just to preserve the symmetry. You can't learn anything out of it. Therefore, sheetless Rabbi Shmuel is that the sota process is a rishos and not a choba. Next case, la yitama the coin's ability to become tummy for his sister rishos. Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel says he has the right to do so, but not an obligation. Rabbi Kiva and Bechor Rabbi Kiva says, no, it's an obligation. My time, Rabbi Shmuel, what's Rabbi Shmuel's logic? Since the Pasuk says, say to the coin and the sons of Aaron, and say unto them, they shall not become defiled to any corpse. The Pasuk has to tell us that what? That the coin is permitted to become tummy for a sister. But again, it's a rishos. It's a rishos. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva, mechi'im l'she'ero. Nafka la, nafka. So Rabbi Kiva says, but that's not true. The Pasuk already says, l'she'ero akarov elav. The Pasuk already says that the coin is permitted to become tummy for his relatives. If that's the case, why don't he la'achoso? La'yitama la'amali. So what does the phrase la'yitama come to teach me? L'chova comes to teach me that it's not just an option for him to come to me, rather what? There is an obligation. For Rabbi Shmo, Rabbi Shmo will say, La mitamar, so listen to this, Rabbi Shmo. so what does Rabbi Shmo do with La yitama? What does he do with that phrase? So La yitama ve'in mitama 
he can only become Tame to the body of his sister, but not to her limbs. Others will say there's a halacha that says that if a person has an amputation, you must bury that those limbs as well. The Kiddush of the Pasuk is, a coin could become Tame for the body of his sister, but not for her limbs. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva would say, Imkain, Lichtov, Rachmana, La, Velishtok, Velishtok, Yitamalamali. If that's the case, let the Pasuk just say La. Why do you have to have the word Yitama? The Gemara says, Shmamino. Therefore, again, it must be that Yitama. Therefore, according to Rabbi Akiva, the Yitama is coming to teach me that what? That there's an obligation for him to become Tommy for his sister. For Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel will say, I did the Kasev law since the Pasuk had to teach me law, and law teaches me that what? According to Rabbi Shmuel, that a coin can't become Tommy for the limbs of his sister. Kasev Nami Yitama. The Pasuk also includes the word Yitama. We're going to see this over and over because remember, Rabbi Shmuel goes in accordance with the Shita of the Rabbi Shmuel, who says, The Tana Debe Rabbi Shmuel, Kol Parsha Shene'emra, Venishnis, any Parsha that is written and repeated, Lo Nishnis Ela Bishvil Davash and Ischadishba, was only written for something ultimately, some new idea that was included there. Next case, Li Olam Bahem Ta'avodu. The Pasuk says over here, Lemaise again by Evid Kenani. Pasuk tells me again that I should keep them in my servitude forever. Rishos the Rebbe Shmuel says that's optional, meaning I don't have to. If I want to emancipate my servant, that is my option. But again, I have the option to keep them in my constant servitude. Rabbi Kiva Omer Chova. Rabbi Kiva says, no, it's an obligation. So my time, Rabbi, Rabbi Shmuel, what's Rabbi Shmuel's logic, meaning what's, what's his reason? Aidi Dixiv. Listen to this. Since the Pasuk says, by what? By the Zayin Amamin, by the seven nations who were indigenous to Canaan, Pasuk says, yeah, I have to wipe them out. Therefore, the Pasuk is necessary to teach me that I am permitted to go ahead and keep them in my servitude forever. The Mishri, to teach me the following case. That if a man from another nation fathered a child with a Canaanite woman, and they had a son together, I am permitted to purchase that son, that offspring, as a servant to Sanya, because we learned, How do I know that if one of the men from one of the foreign nations fathered a child with a Canaanite, that I am permitted to go ahead and purchase that child as an Eved? Talmud Lomar, because the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, because it says, even from those, those resident strangers, right? Those, 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 those Gentile nations, those, 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 I should say, the Gentile Toshavim, the Gentile residents, right? You are permitted to go ahead and purchase them. Remember again, you understand the competing issues over here? On one in the Pasuk says, I have to wipe out the seven indigenous nations from, I have to get rid of them. I have to get rid of them. And yet it's saying over here that I have the ability to take them as servants. So which one is it? So the Gemara is suggesting it refers to a case of a man from a foreign nation who fathers a child with a Canaanite woman. Torah is teaching me that I have the ability to go ahead and keep that offspring or use that offspring as a servant. So it's also a man of thought that if a Kanani man fathers a child with a woman from another nation, that I'm permitted to go ahead and take that child as a servant as well. Therefore, the Pasuk says, you may only take of the children who are born in your land. 
only those who live in your land, born in your land, and not simply those who sojourn in your land. Both say the assumption is that where does a couple ultimately end up? They end up in the wife's indigenous place of birth. So the mice again, therefore, again, the Canaanite woman who fathers the ch- who has a child with a with a, another Gentile man, that child is again toshavim. But let's say again, a Canaanite man who fathers a w- child with another woman, all think that's not toshavim. Rabbi Akiva. So we'll say this she is Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Akiva. Excuse me. So Rabbi Kiva says, I can learn all of this out from the phrase mehem tiknu, purchase among them. Why do I need the phrase the olam bahem ta'avodu? Lechova. Most according to Rabbi Kiva, that comes to teach me that what? That it's an obligation to keep my Gentile servant. I'm also thinking to yourself, why would there ever be an obligation to keep my Gentile servant? We'll see in just a little bit why. Rabbi Shmuel, Fahem v'lo ba'achechem. Oh, Rabbi Shmuel says, the olam bahem ta'avodu means that you should only give avodas parach, back-breaking labor, to your Gentile servant, servants, but you should not give back-breaking labor to who? To your Eved Ivri, right? To your, to your Jewish servant. Rabbi Akiva, ba'achechem misefa dekarnafka. Rabbi Akiva says, we learned that from the latter part of the Pasuk, because what does the Pasuk say? It says explicitly that for your brother, your brother, the Jewish servant, you shall not give him back-breaking labor. I understand. Somebody's got to do the back-breaking labor. What the Pasuk is saying over here is, have your Gentile servant do it. Do not have your Jewish servant do it. Rabbi Shmuel holds that once the Pasuk says, and according to Rabbi Shmuel, Ba'achechem teaches me what? Ba'achechem teaches me that I can't give my Jewish servant back-breaking labor. Therefore, the Pasuk also includes Bahem. As we learned in the statement of the Rabbi Shmuel, the Tanakh Rabbi Shmuel, called Parsha Shene'emra the Nishnis, any Parsha that was written and stated again, Lo Nishnis Ela B'Shil was only written, was only included again because of some novelty that was stated. So therefore, I will say, Halacha Lemaisa, we see again these three fundamental disputes between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yishmael. In the case of Sota, Rabbi Yishmael says, if, you have, if there's a suspicion, there's a chi of a chov, to trigger the Sota process, Rabbi Yishmael says, Rishos. In the case of Lai Tama, Rabbi Akiva again says, Chova, Rabbi Yishmael says, Rishos. And in the case, ultimately, again, of the Olam Bahem Ta'avodu, Rabbi Akiva says Chova, Rabbi Shmuel says Rishos. You should just know that the Rambam and the Shulchan Arach Paskin in all three of these cases, like Rabbi Akiva. That Halacha Lemaisa, again, in the case of Sota, it's a Chov to begin the process if the man suspects adultery. For the Kohen, it's a Chov, an obligation to become Tummy for a single sister. And the Olam Bahem Ta'avodu, it's a Chov to keep my Gentile servant. Uh, in, in, in servitude towards me. And again, interesting if the Sefer Achinuch writes that the reason for that is because if I don't keep my Gentile servant in servitude, I'm going to end up having to give the back-breaking labor to my Jewish servant. So the Sefer Achinuch merges both these reasons. We pass like Rabbi Akiva in all three of these cases. Amrav Chista, Rabbi Akiva says the Gemara, an amazing statement. Amrav Chista, Zenusa Bevesa Kikarya Lashumsha. Immorality in a home is like a worm in a sesame seed. So I say, so what does that mean? Just like the worm in the sesame seed rots the seed, so so to again, immorality, of course, erodes the very pillars, foundation of the Lord. Now there's another chap with this also. The Masha points out that the way a worm in a sesame seed works, is it must be very small worms, 
the worm gets inside the seed and rots the seed from the inside. So the rock begins on the inside out. So so to immorality, again, even if it's hidden, ultimately begins to erode at the very at the very spiritual and moral pillars of the home and destroys the home from the inside. This is amazing. Anger in a home, is like is like a worm in sesame seeds. As well say, same idea. How again, if there's too much anger, and again, I will say this is not just necessarily marital strife. This is just talking about angry people in a home. If a husband is angry, if a wife is angry, actually, we'll see what it applies to. That Lamaisa again, that also arose down from the inside. Now, say, now the Gemara says something that is quite amazing. I almost I want to stop the pause of the recording for this for just a moment. The Gemara says, mm-hmm. But this is only a ma- this is only an issue when it's the woman who is immoral or the woman who's angry. But if it's the man, it's not a problem. Now, I will say, now let, let, let me explain this. That's what, let me, I, 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 let's stop here for today. So let, 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 let me just explain this for just a moment. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Idi vi'idi, tukva uzenusa darminan demichareves asabayis. This idea that immorality and anger destroyed the home. Be'isisa, kisha'isha mizana oka asanis. If the woman is committing adultery, or she is the one who's very angry, so that's what destroys the home. Lefi sha'isha misasekes bezinuneha, ve'eno osimalachta, v'lomisha maris besa. Because if a woman is involved in adultery, she's not, she's not, she's not, She's not taking her responsibilities at home seriously. What is this saying? This is an incredible yisod. The Gemara, of course, is not saying that if the husband commits adultery, it's not a big deal. Of course it's a big deal. First of all, again, it's, it's also for a husband to commit adultery as well, right? Assuming he's having adultery with a married woman. And also, remember, there's another piece. We're going to see this more as we're going to talk about anger and the destructiveness of anger for everyone. What the Gemara is saying is an incredible yisod. A woman has the ability to hold the home together, even under the most adverse of circumstances. That is the strength of, I'll say the Jewish woman, maybe it applies to all men, I don't know. But for the Jewish woman, the has the ability to hold the home together even when, even when everything is mamish just going so severely downhill. A man does not have that ability. That's just, a man does not have, first man doesn't have that level of staying power, a man doesn't have that level of intuition, a man doesn't have that level of being a yisir to be able to do it. So the Gemara is saying is like this, if it's the man who's the problem in the marriage, with morality and with anger, a woman could find a way to still stabilize the ship. Now, love Davka, she might not be able to fix the problem, the marriage might end. But she could stabilize things in a way that not everything falls apart. If it's, on the other hand, the woman who's engaging in these behaviors, pretty much the marriage is done because the man does not have the koach and the powers to be able to stabilize the ship under adverse circumstances. in the beginning, before Klal Yisrael sinned, so the Shechina rested with every single person. Because the Pasuk said, the Ribbon Shalom was walking literally in the midst of your camp with each of us. But once we sinned, this is referring specifically to Echidah Ego. The pas, so the Shechina left us. God does not want to see some matter of erva, and he will leave you. So in the beginning, it was God walked in the midst of our camp, but then ultimately when there was an ervas davar, some matter of immorality, the Ribbon Shalom left. This is amazing, amazing Gemara. It's, I have to tell you, just, we don't have time, but if we had time, I would say to you, you know, let's say it's a privilege. It's, it's not just, you know, we get up and we think, all right, I'm learning. 
It is a privilege to be able to learn the Torah Kedosha. It is a privilege to be able to see these words. And you know, we get to do it with coffee. That's the even better part. A privilege to be able to look, look what our beautiful Torah teaches us. Get ready. Anyone who does a mitzvah in this world, we'll say, when, you do a, when I do a mitzvah in this world, you know what happens? After 120, when my neshama is hopefully making its way to Olam Haba, to the Olam Haba, to the Beis Shalmala, you know who runs before me to the, to the, to the Beis Shalmala? My mitzvos. And my mitzvos begin to advocate on my behalf even before I reach judgment, even before I get there. My mitzvos go, Mikad but if Chas V'Shalom one goes ahead and commits an Avera in this world, Melafafto V'Holeches L'Fan of Liyomadin. So we'll say, Melafafto, Rashi says, Rashi actually, excuse me, first Rashi says, is, Lifnei Misasam Rashi actually says, even before I die, my mitzvot go up to Shalom to advocate on my behalf, even before I die. On the other hand, if a person commits an Avera, then what happens? Melafafto, Karachto, We'll say korachto means that literally my averos wrap themselves around me. We'll say, you understand what that means, that lashon of melafafto? Or I should say, lashon of melafafto means, you see, the issue is when we commit navera. So what happens? Why do we sin? So, okay, you can say, we sin because, because I think that I could commit an Avera without it changing me. That's the whole chab. You see, I think that I could do this, but I'm still a good person. Which is true, we are still a good person, even if I sin. I could do this, and it won't impact me. I could do this, like, like, it's almost like I could do the act without having the act have an actual impact on me. The Gemara says, that's not how it works. When I sin, milafafto. Koreches, sin becomes a part of who I am. It wraps itself around me. Rabbi Eliezer Omer Kishurlo Kekelev, sin is like a stray dog. What happens? What happens? Like, it's like the Yetzirah is like a stray dog. We'll say, what happens with the stray? You feed it once. And what happens? It's going to follow you everywhere. It's literally like a dog that is attached to you. Shina Emar, Shama Elea Lishkov Etzla, Srebo says by Yosef. Yosef did not listen to Eishas Botifar. To sleep with her, lios ima. So to be with her. What does that mean? Why does it say to sleep with her and to be with her? Lishkov etzla ba'olam azeh v'lios ima li'olam haba. Because Yosef Atzadik understood that when you sin, Rabbi when we fall pray to our Yitzhar, to our Taivas, it's not just the shot that it impacts me now; it follows me. It's like the stray dog. It's melafafto. It's karachto. It stays with me. And Yosef understood that lishkov ima. If he was going to sleep with her in this world, then what? Lihios ima. He's going to be with her in olam haba as well. One more line. T- I'm sorry. Okay. So tonight, Hassan. So we'll say we learned we learned elsewhere. So Shahaya Bedin, so I'll say remember again, what's also very exciting about this, and I'm sure you're feeling this as well. What's very exciting about this is also like the going back and forth. Like I got a ton of halacha, I got a ton of halacha. It's partially like a spiritual smorgasbord. You want a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you get every you don't have to choose, you get everything. So Tanan Hasam, Shahaya Bedin, Uma Edos Harishona Shain Shain Osarta, Isra Olam, Eda Miskayemes Papakos Mishnaim. So we'll also remember again, the Pasuk says over here, 
that I might have thought the following. When it comes to Edis Harishona, Edis Harishona is the kinui, is the warning. If the warning, if the warning, which does not create Israel, does not create ongoing Isr, only could be upheld with two witnesses. Edos Achrona Shosarta Isra Olam. Then it goes that then it goes that saying in this context refers to what? Refers to Tuma. So if stira, which does not go ahead and affect ongoing Isra, requires two, then Tuma, which does go ahead and create Isra Olam, should also require two. Talmud Lomar Therefore the Pasik says. The Pasuk says, By Tumah, ve'ed ein ba, there is no testimony there. The Gemara, remember this, because that yesterday's daf, kol But if there is any level of testimony, even eid echad, that is effective by Tumah. So we'll say, so again, it's a special novel ruling by Tumah, that Tumah ultimately can be affected by eid echad, even though what? Even though kinui requires to eat. And we'll say, so we're going to stop over here. Again, we're stopping a little bit mid-discussion. Mid-discussion. And we'll say, so I'm actually thinking... Yeah, so so tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning we are gonna start at five forty-five. Cause uh, just just we'll we'll catch up. Just and I, I see him. Those are our looks of excitement. And Chemi looks like he's about to faint. Uh, All right, you know what we're gonna do. So we're gonna we're gonna make up Shara. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's not the same though. All right, you know what we're gonna do. We're gonna start. Um, I'm sorry. It is a long one. Yeah. What about five thirty? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I will say. So you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna start tomorrow five forty-five. I'm gonna record a Masilas Hashem, so it's gonna be posted. There will be a Masilas Hashem shear. It'll be posted on. The, it'll be posted on the website, on the podcast. You'll get Masilas Hashem like that. We're right. We should have Masilas Hashem. I'm the Kabbal the Musar. Thank you. And the Mirat Hashem will start the daf at five forty-five tomorrow.